minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. Dave Damashek here. There's Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass, and we're not actually here. We're recording this in advance. We're taking the the later stages of the week off this week. Football season now deep in the rearview mirror, sadly, except that it's uh, right on the horizon with the combine and free agency and the draft all there. NBA, NHL. Uh, we'll talk about what's on the horizon. March Madness. That's what's on the horizon, Eddie Spaghetti. Um, but we're taking it easy today. Just uh, do us a favor with any of those sports I just named and beyond. Make sure you're betting along with us. FanDuel.com slash minus three is how you do it. The word minus the number three. And uh, we're going best of Spaghetti. What what, uh, what strikes your fancy? I say the draft. We visited uh, with our pal a couple months ago, Lance Zerline, one of the best in the business when evaluating quarterbacks and beyond in the college pipeline. How about we, uh, we do a little bit of that? What do you think? I think that'd be great. And I'll throw out a little bet I like uh, if you want to hit a family.com slash minus three, but uh, you know, with this draft upcoming and people think that Aiden Hutchinson may go first overall, he's plus 165. I think the smart move right now is to bet Evan Neal at plus 195 on FanDuel to go first overall. The Jags will smarten up. I know they need a lot of things, but the number one, as we just see in Super Bowl, the number one most important position group is offensive line. You have to protect Trevor Lawrence, the guy you took number one last year, and as great as Hutchinson may be, um, he's not going to help keep uh, Lawrence upright, so I think they're going to go with the offensive, uh, the left tackle in this draft. I think that's a good bet, and I'm seeing him uh, show up in more and more mock drafts. Pump the brakes, by the way, everybody. Pro tip in talking to Lance Zerline and his peer group and, and all the scouts out there that do the mock drafts. Their North Star is not their mock draft. It is their top 50 or top 100 or top 200, how, whatever, however deep their player list goes. That's your point of reference for who they think is the best player in the draft, not necessarily the mock draft. They're applying uh positional fits and all that to certain teams and uh, on some level they're having some fun with what they think would be neat to see if you want to see what they who they think the best players in the draft are look at their um their like i say their their ranking of the actual players in the pipeline um a good note for you as people try to assess who they think is the best player if you're just doing the uh best player on the board kind of philosophy rather than team need um, that should be your guiding light as you go forward here. But with that said, we're going to talk to Lancer Liner. You're going to hear our conversation there. Then Eddie Spaghetti is going to give you a little bit of uh, the Shecky Awards from very late in 2021. If you aren't familiar, we, uh, you know, the Oscars handle movies, Grammys handle music, Damashek handles all else, including fruit of the year. So stick around for that after you learn a little bit more about some of the quarterbacks whose names you're going to be hearing a ton of in the next couple of months in advance of that draft. Right now, here he is, everybody, Lance Zerline. Okay, one of our favorite guys to bounce off of, and not just about football. He's a delightful fella to yap about, about Houston-based restaurants and beyond. You can listen to him there on ESPN Radio in Houston, and you can watch him come draft time on NFL Network. It's Lance Zerline. What's happening, Pally? What's what's up? A long time no see. I see you. Uh, you got Dan Pastorini on your uh, your nameplate there, which is 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 an interesting homage since it was his Houston Oilers when I was a little kid that were annihilated by the Steelers on a regular basis. So uh, that's uh, he carries both good and bad memories from my 
from my childhood. Yeah, I know he does. And it's one of my favorite stories. And I don't mean to go down the uh, in, into the Wayback Machine because we have much to talk about. By the way, sorry about your strohs if we're talking 2021 sports. Yeah. But um, do want to talk about the QB class upcoming and everything else. But one of my very favorite pro football stories that you and anybody who cares about the history will dig. I once talked to Mean Joe Green, a thrill, of course, for me. In 1979, the Steelers had won three out of uh, the preceding five Super Bowls. They were really good, but the San Diego Chargers were even better that year, and the Oilers were good once again. And uh, the Chargers destroyed the Steelers in, I think, late November or early December, and it made it clear who the favorite was to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC side. And, I mean, they whipped them, but good. Um, over in San Diego. And um, the and so it looked like the Steelers were on a collision course to go back to San Diego for the AFC title game. All the Chargers had to do was take care of the Oilers, who had no Dan Pastorini, no uh, Earl, no Campbell, Earl Campbell, and no Ken Burrow. They're three best right. offensive players. Dan Fouts, I think, threw four picks. Vernon Perry got all four of them, and I think he also scooped and scored a blocked field goal or something like that. But watching that game, or, or before that game, knowing how terrifying Dan Fouts and that uh, and that Don Coriel offense was, Mean Joe Green blew in a call to Bum Phillips the week before that game and said, I picked up a tip from Dan Fouts when we were playing them that you should use against him. And Bum took the note, used it against Fouts, and coincidentally wow. or not, the Oilers won that game. That's how scared the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steel Curtain, was of facing Dan Fouts that year in the playoffs. They caught the Oilers, who Mike Renfro in the back of the end zone and everything else almost got him anyway. <laughs> But the rest is history. I don't know how, yeah. how different pro football's lore would be if the Steelers had only won three and the Houston Oilers beat the L.A. Rams in that Super Bowl. I don't know how much differently uh, we, we would regard the steel curtain of the 70s. Well, and I think that that one play with Renfro you talked about is always, you know, for for Oiler fans, at least the ones who are left. That's always the play that a lot of people talk about necessitated uh, a version of the replay rule. Sure. The replay was was. was kind of started on that day almost to an extent where people started to discuss the fact that big le high leverage games could be decided by you know potentially decided by missed calls things like that so yeah that was a that was a big game with the uh, Steelers and the, the Oilers together and of course like I said I was I was a, a young Houston Oilers fan but I remember I can't remember where we were flying from but we were on a plane flight home I was with my mom and my brother and sister I can't remember where my dad was so um, <clears throat> at that time it would have been something related to you know a bowl game he was coaching at University of Houston and um and the I old remember blue bonnet, off, the old blue bonnet in the Astrodome, one of the they did have a, a blue bonnet bowl. Yeah, they went to the blue bonnet bowl one year, I think. But it's funny that I remember the captain getting on and saying the Houston Oilers have just uh, picked off Dan Pastor. They had just landed. And I don't I mean, you didn't have cell phones back then. So I don't even know yeah. how the. I don't even know how the captain had this. It must be somebody in flight control uh, and air traffic control must have said, oh, this is a fourth interception because he's given us like this is four interceptions for fouts. Vernon Perry's grabbed you, whatever it was, two or three of them, however many he had. And uh, 
So even as a little kid, I mean, I was going crazy thinking I, I didn't think there was any chance in the world, but that's any given Sunday for you. So, and we saw that this weekend with Jacksonville and Buffalo and, you know, Denver and, and, and Dallas. And it's, it's what makes the NFL fun to me is that that any given Sunday sounds cliched, but man, it is, it's, it's just true. Like yesterday was an any given Sunday. I wrote down a bunch of stats, like the quarterback stats from, and I know I'm, I'm kind of dating it a little bit in terms of when the podcast comes out, but I mean, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Mahomes, Stafford, some really good quarterbacks, guys having great years, guys who have been former MVPs or discussed with MVP consideration this year. I mean, other than Burrow, who has played pretty well. And I mean, disastrous games relative to their um, expectations. So any given Sunday, man, anything can It happen. is crazy. I just went on and on about that very thing, and perennially we fall into the same thing of like, <laughs> it's never been up more up for grabs than it is right now. Right. And it is every year around this time, and everything settles in somewhere around Thanksgiving through – the holidays. That's where the real team sort of rise up there. It's 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 Chuck, uh, why do you why do you think we don't learn from history as as somebody who's been in sports my whole life and done sports talk radio. So I've 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 talked about baseball, basketball, football, college football, pro football. I now live in the draft space along with doing a daily talk show. It's just amazing to me that we have so many instances of history teaching us to either be patient or to be careful about this or this usually happens and it's like we never ever learn at least as a sports society we never learn from the old adage that history is going to repeat itself and in and, and that once we're shown something we don't seem to remember it from year to year we seem to start all over with the same narratives year after year after year it's so true. I don't have a good answer to what I hope is a rhetorical question because I'm not yeah. smart enough to figure out the the reason for it. I'll tell you, one of those tropes that people always say is when a kid gets into some trouble um, that, well, that's it for him. He's never going to play in pro football again. And, of course, Deshaun Watson is the guy who kind of fits that description right now. I mean, you know, six months ago, it was like, well, his career's over. His career's not over, clearly. Teams were no. trying to get him. Um, just last week and, and we're fighting it out. Didn't land anywhere. Jump to the end of that story for us. Where is Deshaun Watson? And by the way, I don't, one of the things I talk about every year is, and people marvel at like, you think a big time quarterback is going to move? Yeah, it's free agency. Tom Brady <laughs> left New England. I think Aaron Rodgers wanted to leave Green Bay. I think this offseason is going to be the juiciest one yet. I think Russell Wilson could land in Cleveland. I could see Aaron Rodgers in Denver. Where's Deshaun Watson in 2022? I think he's going to be with Miami. Um, how it goes down, I don't know how it goes down. Deshaun's really focused on Miami. I do think that, you know, when 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 the year's over, you've got Matt Ryan is a is a very likely cap casualty, unless they redo his deal so they can extend it and get some cap relief. But I don't know if they're going to do that or not. Um but Matt Ryan and, and Atlanta's worth watching. New Orleans was worth watching before Jameis got hurt. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, are worth watching. Philadelphia, uh, Denver. You mentioned I don't like ruling out Seattle as a possible landing spot, depending on what happens with Russell Green Bay. But Miami's the place that Deshaun wants to be, and he has a no-trade clause. And so I think uh, we can talk about all the teams that need quarterbacks all we want, but I think Deshaun wants to get to a place where he can – 
quote unquote, live his best life. I mean, I think lifestyle matters to him or, or, or he'd be talking about the Steelers, uh, maybe Denver. He'd be talking about places other than Miami right now, but that's where he really wants to be. So I think it's a matter of getting, uh, there's some resolution that has to happen from a, from a lawsuit standpoint for Deshaun. And, uh, you know, that's a separate thing to discuss, but I'm just focusing on the football right now. What necessity or what, what ends up creating the, the, the pathway for Deshaun to play again. I think it's going to happen at some point uh, between now and February, because that's when he goes, that's when the depositions start. And I don't think Deshaun wants the depositions out there. I think, I think he doesn't want to relive all the, the details of what people are accusing him of. So I think something will get done. Um, and then it's going to be interesting to see if he tries to, to get a new contract to make up some of that money he lost from his signing bonus that will invariably go to the legal team and, and uh, any type of uh, settlement, if there is a settlement. So I think there's a lot of moving parts, but when it's all said and done, I think he's going to want to go to Miami. I think Miami is going to see that they really, Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores really need a big 2022. And I don't think, I think they've lost confidence in Tua. The Tua is not going to be the guy to do that. And so I think it may grease the skids a little bit for, uh, for Miami to make an offer that Nick Casario, the Texans general manager would take. And I think that's where he's going to be. And I, I think if you had to put odds on it, it's like a one to three favorite. I think it's like, hmm. you know, minus 250, minus 300, that that's where he'll, he'll land. And if not there, I think Denver's in play also. Well, I, I mean, I talk, you know, we talk about the recurring narratives. Um, one of mine that I that I push real hard is that we live in a time of full QB saturation, that we, they're now, you know, five, six years after I first said, um, how is it possible in a world of seven billion people, we can't find 32 guys to play halfway decent QB in pro football. And now I feel like we have more good QBs and we have <laughs> slots for them now contracts yeah. and otherwise and injuries get in the way of all that. But I'm a little shaken this year by it because uh, 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 a side part of that is that every spring provides 21 year olds who are ready to step in, unlike their predecessors who needed three to five years to learn at the knee of a, of a vet. Most guys who were first round guys, you could put in there with some confidence. This year feels kind of weird Tua feels kind of weird from a year ago. We'll see where he lands. It it feels a little and talk, talk, it, you're the perfect guy to talk to right now because I talk all every year perennially. I say there's this this conversation that goes on around the the NFL draft, which is that going into the year into the pro and college football season, there were some interesting guys to look at and guys who were being touted as like, these are the two guys that'll go in uh, in the draft next spring. Then more guys rise up and look good and other guys look bad. And now we're in that space where like, I don't know if any of these guys are worth it. I don't know if any of these guys get mm -hmm. a first round. I don't see a Trevor Lawrence in this group. Um, but spoiler alert, as far as I'm concerned, by by the end of the combine and everything else, there will be five guys at least who people like you will give a first round grade to true or false. Yep. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, the number may change. It may be three first round grades, but four of them go in the first or, you know, four first round grades, but five go in the first, something like that. But what we know is the quarterbacks get pushed up and, and I mean, they get, they get pushed up earlier than you expect sometimes, maybe earlier than, than the grade warrants. 
But that that happens in the past. It's likely to happen again. You see the Texans and Lions are two teams that are they're two of the worst teams in football. Uh, Miami Dolphins right up there, obviously. They just got their second win yesterday against the Texans. But I can see Miami obviously looking for a quarterback next year. Now, we think Deshaun is in play over there. The Texans will need a quarterback. Um, obviously, the Jets – are going to need a quarterback as well. So the teams that are the worst teams in the Wait, league. Wait, with Zach gonna, Wilson? Or 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 not the Jets. The, I'm sorry, the Lions. I meant the Lions. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Right, right. No, the, the Jets have Mike White. They're fine. <laughs> they have Mike White and Josh Johnson. They don't they don't need quarterback. <laughs> They've got lots to court. I mean, do you think that what, what about the Jets right now? Mike White just comes out like, wow. He sm- he smokes, you know, who did they play? Who did he put 404 touchdowns on a couple weeks ago? Who was that that he uh, put that uh, on? the Bungles. Yeah, so he puts it on Cincinnati in a, in a uh, winning effort, and then the next week he gets off to a pretty good start against the Colts. I mean, look what Josh Johnson did. He went for 303 touchdowns in three quarters. What's to say Mike White wouldn't have gone for another 404 touchdowns? Can you imagine New York if Mike White goes back-to-back 800 yards and eight touchdowns in two games? I mean, well, why? I mean, but that, it, it, it does then. It is confusing then for a dumb guy like me why Tua doesn't work out. And by the way, as long as we're talking about big guys who are who, who can't miss and all that kind of stuff, what about Trevor Lawrence? This in, this far into his career, I wouldn't exactly call a 9-6 victory. Nice for the franchise. I, I wouldn't uh, sing songs about uh, Lawrence. I, he got hurt during the game. I get it. But at this point, the guy who was the next Andrew Luck, who was the next John Elway, is Trevor Lawrence so far anywhere close to what you expected? Are you disappointed? Is yeah, it, it- I I, um, I thought he would be the leader in the clubhouse for rookie of the year. With that said, not disappointed. Not really even concerned, to be honest with you. I watched Peyton Manning's rookie year and watched him really struggle. Um, I think what makes... Uh, so for one, he's had such a gap, and I think it's the same issue that Tua's going going through. I think when you have such a gap between your talent that you're playing with and the defensive players who are trying to guard that talent mm-hmm. like Tua had at Alabama and, frankly, like, like Trevor Lawrence has had at Clemson, I think when you step up and the chasm has, has really uh, – that you don't have the same chasm, and, and in fact, it has been a paradigm shift, and you now are in a situation where – your guys are less talented in some instances or less able to create openings and space. And so what you've seen in Trevor Lawrence's case for three years and to his case for, for three years, two years to three years um, is it doesn't look anything like it's looked before you. I would think the only time you saw coverage like that would be in practice when you played against your own guys. And I think the jump in, in the jump going from easy throws to challenge throws becomes much more difficult. The pace of of the defense and the and the changes pre and post snap, how they're moving parts, I think is very very difficult to, for quarterbacks to wrap their head around. But I don't think I think what makes Trevor Lawrence a, a really special uh, quarterback talent. I, there are still times I see that on the field, so I'm not as worried about it with him. I had some concerns about Tua. I I remember I was sitting at my kitchen table. I just watched Tua. It's like one of those things I'll never forget the time or where I was when this happened. I finished the Tua tape, and I went in thinking, okay, I'm going to be really excited about this. This is going to be really good. And I'm like, man, I don't think I like him as much as 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 uh, Herbert, you know, because I'd already seen Herbert's tape. And then I let I let my ears do too much scouting, meaning 
outside noise kind of affected my process a little bit and you hear different stuff and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to back Herbert off a little bit and I'm probably going to push two up just a little bit more than I'd like. Gave him a six set from a six, four to a six, seven. Um, both of them are, you know, a six, four would be a late first grade. Uh, a six, seven would be, you know, probably a top 10 quarter, probably like a top five to six quarterback grade, frankly. And, um, but I, I just can't get away from the fact. Now, there was a lot of inconsistencies with Herbert's tape, and that, that was a problem. But with Tua, he had so many catch-and-run touchdowns where he's throwing to guys on slants and on RPOs. And that's just not the NFL where guys take it 60, 70 yards because they're outmatching the defense. You know, how you do to elevate yourself above the opposing defense or even beyond – the players around you is a great indicator of what kind of quarterback you're going to be. And with a guy like tour with Tua and, and, and Trevor Lawrence, the only look you get at, at that is high leverage games in the college football playoffs. Because for the most part, they've got huge advantages, but um, I remember watching Jake Cutler come out when he was at Vanderbilt. I mean, he had, he was going to be at a disadvantage game after game. So you could see him operate with lesser talent and do some some really, at times, special things. You could see it with Pat Mahomes at times when he was at Texas Tech. There are some quarterbacks that give you a little cleaner look, believe it or not, from, from, from lesser schools than the headliners who have had things going, you know, really, really easy for them at times. But for me, Trevor Lawrence is still on the pathway to what he's going to be. Now, you want to see that jump in year two. I, I want to see flashes in year one. I want to see sustainability in year two. And then by year three, he needs to look like, a, a, a an exciting pro prospect by year three. I think that's how it needs to work. And I think whether you're the first pick of the draft with a bad team or, or whether you're the, you know, the 15th pick of the draft, if you're going to be a pro quarterback, your one, year two, year three has, has certain markers that you look for. And, and uh, you know, for me, I just, I'll be interested to see how year two uh, looks for Trevor Lawrence moving forward. Because I tell you, Tua, it has not looked great in year two, and he's missed some time in year one, missed some time in year two. You get the feeling the Dolphins are running out of patience and and maybe don't believe he's a guy. It's really interesting, your point about the paradox of that, because, of course, it's the Matt Leinart effect. Was Matt Leinart great, or was he surrounded by great talent? And and I guess that's kind of what you're pointing to. And, you know, Lamar Jackson was on the other side of that, relatively speaking, right. at Louisville. And are you surprised at, at at some point? I mean, I foretold um, before his MVP season. I said, I think he is going to, ju- I think what, what the Ravens are going to try to do this year and did successfully until they played the Titans in the divisional round was they jumped the NFL. No, they Nobody knew how to handle that offense in the NFL, my concern was, and I, I remain surprised by it, and I'm not rooting for it to happen. He's exciting and everything, but I, how is he not broken yet? It really, he was taking some licks on Sunday. I, you know, the thing to me was, I don't know how he gets down consistently without ever getting blown up, but he is starting to get got, but he's sturdier than I imagined. Yep. Where are we with Lamar Jackson? Because I don't buy that roster, and he, what he's surprising me with is that that Ravens team is now what are they six, six and two and two, yeah six and two and Can and e- that easily be not good. They could be three and five. I mean, they've had some things. The Colts game, they got there at the very end and needed some help there. The Justin Tucker kick against the Lions. I think yesterday's game. I mean, you could have flipped any one of those three games. Could have could have easily 
turned into losses. And we'd be looking at a three and five Ravens team. Um, but Lamar Jackson, I think the one the one thing is Lamar Jackson made a great throw on a fourth and 19 in the Lions game. He had a great second half and, and especially fourth quarter against the Colts. And then, you know, he had a really good second half. I thought he had a bad first half yesterday and a really good second half Um in, or I should say this past Sunday um, against the Minnesota Vikings. You know, to your other point, so we saw this happen before. I always think you have to look at history and you can find your answers in history in the NFL because it does repeat itself. Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco, when Jim Harbaugh introduced that inverted diamond formation and they did a bunch of zone read and really shocked the NFL. I remember they whipped the Green Bay Packers, just embarrassed the Green Bay Packers. That's the, the one teams, I always think about. That's the game yeah. I always think about. They football's changed forever. I remember I, him running thought, away. Yeah, I, I, I remember you talk. Well, we're two nerds, I guess, just remembering where we were in in these in these foot watching. I thought Harbaugh's games. the best because Harbaugh has this college right. experience. He's bringing college into it. This will change. This will change the NFL forever. And and you know what's funny is it actually did, but it had to take a circuitous route to get there with zone read. Because when you look at football now, we see it all over the place. Trevor Lawrence runs plenty of zone read stuff. It's not the fundamental you know, foundation of the offense necessarily, but it did change the NFL. But the thing was the Green Bay Packers. So here's the story. Green Bay Packers went to Texas A&M and to Kevin Sumlin, um, defense coordinator, Dom Capers and his staff that off season, because they had San Francisco game one the very next year. And I mean, they went to school because Johnny football had, you know, was over at Texas A&M running a lot of that stuff. And they wanted to go directly to college and say, okay, we know how it works you run it. How, what's the best way to stop it? What's most difficult, you know, and, and, and A&M kind of taught them there. I can't remember who the defense coordinator was at the time, but really said, well, you've a, you got to make a beeline for the quarterback. You got to go hit the quarterback, whether he gives it, he gets hit, 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 hit. And you make That's him what, make it's decisions. It's crazy to me point. that yeah. with all the fancy stuff that people talk about with schemes and otherwise, that is what I hear consist of what I heard at the time when I would ask guys like Terrell Suggs or guys on the Steelers, rugged defensive guys like, oh, you got to hit him hard early and break his will. Yeah. I, really? That's the answer. That's apparently was the answer. Yeah, that was the answer. They and so they went to school. And if you remember that game, the first week of the uh, of that next season, Kaepernick and that offense just it just wasn't there. And 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 Green Bay had really schooled it up. And then other teams went to school as well. Well, here's what happened um, two years ago. So coming off the MVP season, so the Ravens, you can't defend it until you see it. And so the Ravens really hit everyone with. Lamar's true talents when he won the MVP. He really threw the ball well that year, too. Made some nice throws. Uh, made some very explosive plays. Lamar can be very inconsistent as a passer. To this day, he's very inconsistent. But in baseball, because, Shaq, you you step outside the parameters of just football because I think you can, you can pull things from other sports. It's just like in baseball where in this day and age now, they don't care about strikeouts anymore. They care about can you hit home runs. We're willing to have a, a strikeout, a high strikeout total if you're a home run hitter. And the thing with Lamar Jackson is he's a home run hitter. So you'll be okay living with strikeouts. That's going to happen from time to time. And he's never going to be a, a, a super hyper accurate quarterback, but he's an explosive player. So you don't worry about it as much. You just don't want him turning a ball over. Well, he had that great season, right? But here's what happened early in the season. The Buffalo bills had a really good game plan against them. And then, and I found this out. I was at the senior bowl and I was talking to a scout from 
the the Tennessee Titans. Um, I guess it wasn't last year, but the year before when the Titans really put it on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And I, I said, man, you guys, what a great game you guys had against the uh, the Ravens. Congratulations, man. What a what an amazing job you guys did defensively. And uh, they said, well, actually, we got that. Well, they're Brent Peace or whatever, they're uh, the defensive coordinator. He did a great job, but he had seen from – this was a story that was told to me. They saw some of those elements from the Buffalo Bills game earlier in the year where the Bills lost, but they were smacking Lamar. I mean, it's probably the hardest I've ever seen him hit. And Buffalo – what their game plan was is you own the middle of the field against Lamar from a running standpoint, from a passing standpoint, and you push him outside the numbers. And the Titans really fine-tuned that by the time they got into the playoffs, and he struggled uh, because they wanted him to be flushed out of the pocket if he was going to run, not up the pocket. And so more teams teams now saw that twice on tape. So the next year, which was last year, the COVID year, it was harder for them. Their teams had schemed them up, and they and they had, you know, they had they had counterpunched, so to speak, to 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 use a boxing term. They had really seen what Lamar did well. They saw some answers for it, and they counterpunched them, and and they schemed it up. Um, the thing that is hard to believe is that a guy who's not really built you know, musk. He doesn't really have a big, firm base, as you mentioned. Not a real thick hip thick thigh guy he finds a way to run and he's not a passive shy runner and sometimes he'll take on contact but a lot of times he's so twitchy that he can get to an angle and dive down faster than you can it's get to crazy him to that's to what it is he, he yeah. can be right in front of a defender who's about to smack him and he just has the ability to just drop dead in front of the guy it's it really is amazing it's a yeah. i talk about all that it's the difference between him and like rg3 who just couldn't figure out how to do that he he or mike vick they would always get blown huge up. difference and it and it Huge ended difference. their careers probably prematurely. But you're right. It's always that chicken or the egg thing. I, I I remember Jeffrey Simmons has arrived now for Football America after Sunday Night Football and what uh, what he primarily did to Stafford and company. But you're talking about that divisional round game in Baltimore when they were 14 and two. Jeffrey Simmons and company shut it down. And it, you can't just decide as a defense we're going to do that you have to have the pieces but it's not a coincidence that cam hayward and stefan Tuitt have had success against lamar jackson if you can get that inside pressure against lamar i think that's his kryptonite let's talk about though some of these guys on the way mm-hmm. and start it off with because i know you were watching him this weekend because i saw you on social media mm-hmm. Malik Willis. He's an intriguing guy. He kind of fits what you're talking about. He certainly isn't playing with the most talented guys week in and week out. Um, uh, The guys across from him are are better than the guys he's playing with. How say you? I hear a lot of buzz about this guy being not just a first round pick, but a guy who's getting up into the upper half of it now. Yeah, I think right now it's going to be tough to find him there. Uh, the physical tools are there. He's got great size. He's a true dual threat quarterback. He's got a very lively arm. He's an instinctive runner. So not just, you know, not just is he an athletic runner. He's the type of runner who has very good instincts. Like I don't, I don't, I don't compare anybody to Lamar Jackson. He's, he's special. He has slasher running back skills as a runner. Mm-hmm. So he's a quarterback who has true special running back skills that you don't see, you know, you see it from Jamal Charles. Like, so that's, that's on a different planet, but um, Jalen hurt is a guy or Jalen hurts is a guy right now 
Claypool, I think, is a pretty instinctive runner. And that's kind of what Malik Willis, Malik Willis is, is he has good instincts He as a runner. And I think it's important because more and more NFL coordinators, I know, for example, Deshaun Watson once said, I don't want to be called a dual threat quarterback. I guess he didn't like the connotation. Listen, that's a strength. That's what got you. That's what got you 38 million or whatever he got paid. Your ability to hurt a team with your arm and hurt a team with your feet. Why would you want to be one instead of being both? And and I get maybe the phrase or the name dual threat quarterback, but to me, that's not a slam. And that doesn't mean that you can't throw the ball. That means you hurt people in two different ways. And Willis has dual threat talent, but it's not refined at this, at this moment right now. Um, he has three three interception games this year against not great defenses, you know, not in comparison to what he's going to see. Um, he he doesn't consistently elevate his play and the play of people around him above their expectations or bo- above his own talent. Like he he kind of he, he has been inconsistent in that way to say, man, he just plays better than the talent around him. He's always special. He's not always special. He does special things, but he's not always special. So um, I think he has developmental talent that could end up being uh, really, really fun to watch in the NFL, but it's going to take some time. And I think, I think getting an answer on who he is is going to take a little bit longer for talent evaluators because you can watch tape all you want, but remember, you're not projecting who he is. You're projecting who he will be and projecting who it will be. I think is going to take um, a little more time for Malik Willis, but size, mobility, arm strength. I mean, those are three factors that are really, really important. Uh, But I think what he has to do is throw with better anticipation and he's going to have to be, um, a little bit more consistent with his, his ball placement and his timing playing with good timing is important. And as I mentioned in the article, I wrote about it. I, I think he needs a certain type of offense. And I think more and more we're seeing quarterbacks coming out of college because of how they operate in seven on seven and, 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 and seven on seven and in our high school football and into college, you know, certain quarterbacks now really need to have certain schemes. And I think, uh, Malik Willis is is going to be better off more in a pro style scheme, believe it or not, with some spread elements in it, as opposed to playing in a timing based scheme with RPOs. And he's just not a he's not as quick handling and delivering the ball as Matt Corral was from from uh, Ole Miss in the exact same game. So uh, Malik, lots of upside, but still lots to develop too. a lot of polish that he needs to uh, to add to his game. Oh, man, I could listen to you go on and on about the QBs forever. I don't want you to tip your hand on everybody, including guys like Matt Corral. So just a couple more here for you. Yeah. Kenny Pickett. Now, I, I, a month or six weeks ago, I'm biased, of course. I root for Pitt football to do well. I'm a, I'm a sports polygamist when it comes to college football. I matriculated in, at Indiana University, which that 2020 season with Michael Penix is, uh, appears to have been a mirage. But I watched... <laughs> yeah. In 2021, I'm going to give Tom Allen another crack at it in 2022. But in the meantime, early on in the season, it jumped out to me that as long as I've been watching Kenny Pickett wear script pit on the side of his hat, um, that this year he looked different to me. He he just jumped out and, and, and appeared immediately to be playing at a higher level. So I started hitting up the likes of you and uh, Jeremiah and, and all the usuals, and I was called biased, fairly, by some. 
How say you now? Kenny Pickett tracking towards maybe a trip to New York City for the Heisman Finals. I don't know what will happen there, but more importantly for him, next spring. Is he a first-round draft pick at this point? Well, number one, I'd ask that you not bother Daniel Jeremiah. He's a busy man. He's an important man. And he's Mr. Multi- Jeremiah. He makes me call him Mr. Mr. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Why? Yeah. I've known you for a long time. You're like, not Mr. Jeremiah. I'll yeah, you. I'm the same. Yeah. He does the same thing to me. So don't feel bad. Uh, but Mr. Jeremiah is, is uh, just please be careful with his time. That's all I ask because he's busy. He's charger Jeremiah. He's, he's draft Jeremiah. He's got a lot of Jeremiah's. He's got as about as many kids as I have as well. So it's a, it's, it's a busy life. Um, mm. <laughs> we love Jeremiah. We'd love Daniel. We kid. Um, Pickett is a first rounder. He's not only a first rounder. He should be. Hmm. He should be in New York. Uh, if not for that, that I don't want to call it a stinker. I mean, the guy had 500 yards passing and three touchdowns, but the two interceptions against Miami. I think that Miami loss hurt him. Had had they not lost to Miami, I think he is your Heisman Trophy winner. I think at the time Whoa! he had, yeah, 20, really would have won the Heisman. At the time he had one loss. He had 23 touchdowns and one interception. Had they won that game and he had one less interception and he had three touchdowns, one interception and threw for 500 yards in a win. And then this week he had another, you know, strong performance. I think when you look at what Bryce Young has done, he hasn't been able to really take control. Matt Corral hasn't taken control. You had um, Kenny, I think Walker from Michigan State, the running back. I still think he's a, a very strong candidate, um, but they just had a, a big loss that will hurt him some. I think Kenny Pickett at that time was uh, his odds were ten to one, and I thought this is great odds for a quarterback headed into the, that Miami game. I still think there's a chance that when it's said and done, that Pitt team he's going to have really, really good numbers, yardage, touchdowns, the touchdown to interception ratio. I think there's a chance he gets there because quarterbacks just aren't taking it. Like there aren't any quarterbacks stepping up and claiming the award on a, on a regular week by week basis. So I think Kenny Pickett could end up in New York. I think there's a very good chance a running back could win it this year, but I follow the odds on that because I'm interested to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And it's like every week it's Bryce Young's the favorite, but you don't, he doesn't feel like a Heisman Trophy winner. And then it's Matt Corral. And, oh, now it's Kenneth Walker. And now I don't know who they're going to have there. So uh, it's very interesting. But I think Pickett has size. He has a terrific arm. I watched him some this summer. He looks much better this year than he did uh, last summer when I watched him. But, you know, I said the same thing about Joe Burrow. It's the greatest jump in tape that I've ever seen ever for any player. Joe Burrow from 2018 to Joe Burrow 2019, they were completely different players. I I won't go that far with Kenny Pickett, but he's much, much better this year. He's thrown with good anticipation. He's got a he's got a hose for a right arm. Um, throw he's got a good base and good delivery. He's got great, you know, um, he looks the part, certainly. He's got some good functional mobility to get outside of the pocket when the pressure comes. I mean, to me. He is that pocket quarterback that teams are going to have to decide again. Are we okay with pocket quarterbacks? We've gotten into this mobile quarterback thing. We've gotten into this guys who can run and small. We're okay with smaller quarterbacks now being drafted early. What about a guy with a little bit of size and a big arm 
who is really more of a pocket quarterback than one of these guys who, uh, and I'm including Trevor Lawrence here, and guys who can operate outside of uh, the outside of the pocket, so to speak. So I think Kenny Pickett is definitely going to be a first round quarterback. He's well, also yeah. to my to my less trained eye than yours, it does seem to me like Pickett can do the functional stuff, like run the run boot action. He and, can, and yeah. uh, if you turn your back on him, you know he can he can uh, get to the sticks. Um, you know he's not. Gonna to outrun NFL defenders, but I, I I don't think he's a stiff either. I think no. he's a I think he he moves pretty well. As a matter of fact, that's a fascinating comp though with Joe Burrow. I guess the people are starting to make that one. It's really crazy, and I do think for his Heisman chances, he does have some relative big spots upcoming against Howell and UNC. Yeah, he gets Virginia, and if he winds up in the ACC championship, as long as voters don't submit their choice too early here i think he has a chance to still play his way even further up uh the the standings there real quick i a couple of guys i do kind of like because i i i've long advocated like i get the mahomes sat at alex smith's knee for a year before they sprung him on the world and aaron Rodgers obviously sat for a while behind brett Favre, and those are two big anomalies but generally if you draft a guy high in the first you can feel somewhat confident that you, that this guy will be able to handle business. Why then, one, what goes on right now with Trey Lance, one, and two, Jordan Love? Did uh, I, 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 Let me ask you the second part first. Do you think Aaron Rodgers knew that Jordan Love wasn't ready and that's why he could so confidently make trade demands like, all right, go with Jordan Love then, Gutenkunz. You don't you want to you want to let me go, or if, if you're not going to meet what I want you to meet, then you can roll with Jordan Love. I think he knew that that was his ace in the hole after the performance we just saw in Arrowhead. True he, or false? He may he may have known that. I don't think he cares. I don't think Aaron knows he's so much better anyway. To Aaron is a very highly confident player. I don't think no matter what they thought of Jordan Love. Look, if you wanted to, you could trade him if you wanted. Aaron would go somewhere else. And if you didn't, he had all the leverage too. I don't think how Jordan played. I mean, Aaron sees him in practice. Um, I, I've got my I've got my doubts. I have my doubts about Jordan Love before the draft. I was not as high on him. I thought he was like a a mid second is what I thought. And and I had more arrow down than arrow arrow up on him based on his tape from from that year and some of the. Uh, I just I didn't see the field maturity I wanted to see and. We'll see what happens there. I think it's going to go down as a really big mistake for the Packers, but I I, I give players lots of time. And, and you know what? You can never rewrite either. And I know everybody was making their wise cracks like, oh, bad day. I love when people have to take the Twitter in the moment to announce like when Aaron Rodgers and the, the Packers have the number one seed and yeah. their whole and well, they, they should be able to beat the 43 year old QB in Lambo and all of that. It doesn't change the fact after they lose because anything less than the Super Bowl was a disappointment for that Packers team. What if they did use that pick on someone who could have helped the 2020 roster? I mean, I nobody uh, there still isn't a satisfying answer to that. But anyway, what about what about Trey Lance? Because that now is looming as a weird pick too. If they're not going to use him this year, especially with uh, the Niners struggling as they are. Well, you know, just to put a bow on. Oh, sorry. Uh, Jordan Love. I, they're going to have to figure out who he is next year. Aaron's going to be gone, and they got to figure out what they have. And if they made a mistake, um, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they'll let it stick for more than three years. I think it will be last year, this year, next year, and then they're going to have to really think about it. Now, if Jordan Love plays to his talent, because he had some really talented tape the year before he is what he's a 
2020 draft pick. His 2019 tape was pretty good. I was pretty excited about him uh, based on the 19 tape. So it's not like he doesn't have that ability. He does have some ability. They got to find out who they have there. Trey Lance, I have no doubt about. I think Trey Lance is, he has very special uh, football IQ. His, his preparation is, is second to none. Like I talked to his quarterback coach at North Dakota state, but Trey Lance was asked to do was, is, is, in some cases, more than NFL quarterbacks are asked to do from a preparation standpoint. And I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five days of different types of preparation for each of those days. One would be um, uh, red zone tendencies for the defense. One would be defensive packages, what to expect. One would be, you know, two minute drill type stuff. I mean, he had uh, blitz looks, what they like to do blitz wise and what he needs to do against certain blitz looks. So he is he was the most outstanding quarterback in last year's draft. Trevor Lawrence included uh, Justin Fields, Mac Jones for being mentally ready in terms of a preparation standpoint. It doesn't mean he's ready to play NFL football. I think it's best when you look at how few starts he had, the level of competition, you have to know if a guy, it, what kind of mental toughness does he have? And if he has special mental toughness, then sometimes you can throw him out there and see what happens because you're not worried that failure will end up crushing him. Um, I looked at it and I said, okay, it's a perfect spot. He's in an offense that really fits his, his talent level. You have Jimmy Garoppolo there to help bring him along slowly if need be. But I'll tell you what's going to start happening though. San Francisco has taken enough of these beatings that Jimmy Garoppolo is, is that he's not getting it done. And there's really no reason now, uh, Trey Lance has watched tape for half a year. He has been through practice for half a year. He's seen NFL speed for half a year. It, it's getting to be about time to cut him loose and see what he's got. I think that, you know, you're past the danger zone of worrying about hurting his confidence or whatever the case may be. He's seen what NFL defenses look like. It's time to, to, to bring him in there because I thought you could just roll to a, a conference, uh, a conference, a division title worst case scenario, a wild card spot with Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you're ready to go with the kid next year. Well, that doesn't look like it's materializing. So it's time to get to Trey Lance and let's start, let's start the clock on his development as a true NFL starter. I think he's going to be fantastic. I think to me, he, and this is not even hindsight to me, it was Trevor Lawrence is a special, special talent. Trey Lance has the highest upside of any other quarterback in the draft. And then I had kind of boom bust with Justin Fields and, and Zach Wilson. Um, I was lower on Mac Wilson, but Mac, I mean, not Mac Wilson, um, Mac Jones, Mac Jones is going to be a good pro quarterback. Um, he looks more like the player we saw in, in Alabama. It looks like that's translatable where I don't know if that's the case with Tua. Boy, it's interesting, too, because I what I would like the ideal for me if I had a kid and I was worried about his ego, like you say, and his confidence and everything. The Niners have now achieved the sweet spot for him. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't gotten it. done. Right. The team is struggling. Now he only stands to be savior. If he fails this season, it's like, well, yeah, the, the vet didn't do it either. The right. guy who took you to the Super Bowl two years ago isn't any better this is the place to put Trey Lance in because Agreed. now you can really boost his confidence. If he wins a couple of games, like, look, I, I'm the difference maker on the team. Um, listen, I could go. And also I it, it's, I'm sure you like him because of Lance, but what a cool quarterback name, you know, yeah, Trey, Trey Lance, Lance up there with is. Johnny Unitas, jo you know, Roger Staubach. These are the names of QBs, Trey Lance, very 21st century version of a winning uh, NFL quarterback. Name Agree. In my book. Agree. Uh, 
listen, Lance, you're the tops. I would uh, I would bend your ear for another three hours, except I'm sure you have other things to do with your time. So I will let you go. And by the way, Zerline's the best because he also can hip you to all the best restaurants <laughs> in Houston. He is plugged in in Houston, Texas, like nobody else. And as you just heard there on uh, the coming pro football draft, make sure you're following him on social media. And otherwise he's as good as it gets in this biz. And not just because he said, Kenny Pickett is uh, a Heisman hopeful. Um, We appreciate it. We hope to catch up with you. Maybe, I don't know, in spring before we get there, we can hear some songs sung about Carson Strong and all those guys who people aren't uh, up to speed on yeah. uh, just yet. But in the meantime, thanks for all the time, Lance. I'll be around. Looking forward to it. Hey, everybody. FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. That's the National Basketball Association, FYI, at, which is stands for, for your information. And with FanDuel Same Game Parlays, you can turn little bets into big bets. You choose any NBA game and build out your own same game parlay for the legs of the bet, whether it's your favorite team, your least favorite team, two teams you couldn't give less of a care about now all of a sudden you do care because you have a same game parlay going there you could pick who you think is going to win the game on the money line over under total points for your favorite player or for your favorite team or for both teams combined and you can pick a player to score the first basket of the game I love FanDuel Sportsbook for many reasons. The payouts come in as little as two hours. It's fast and safe and secure and expansive and all that. But like I say, it's the same game parlay is where it's at. That's what you want to get in on. Plus, if you're a new customer, you get a risk-free first-time bet up to $1,000. Make every game feel like the finals all season long. All you do is you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and head to FanDuel.com and make sure you use the promo code MINUS3. It's the word MINUS the number three, to bet the NBA today and get your first bet risk-free along with your pals or maybe you even want to fade your pals here at minus three. Just use that promo code fanduel.com slash minus three. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. It's time for the 31st annual Shecky Awards and we'll start it off with, with worst alphabet letter of course best alphabet letter is kind of murky we retired it a couple of years ago the letter q for its aspirational qualities you think it lives down there with the nerds x y and z but if you check it it's climbed its way up there nobody's paying attention it's all the way up there in front of r s and t i don't know how it did it but q is now kind of weird for you know i don't know political reasons i don't know if it's political exactly but it's taken on a a weird life of its own so worst alphabet letter i consider w because i feel a little bit bad for the u in it because it's really two v you know double do you realize that w is double u But it's not even like two U's at this point. It's more two V's. And so I guess I feel angry at the V's for stepping on the toes of the W or whoever first started doing that, what Pensman started doing that. Have you ever considered that, that it really should be double V, not double U? Well, yeah, because it comes to a point instead of a rounded edge. Right, it's sharp at the bottom. It's like two arrows pointing down. So I resent the letter V for that, but that's nothing compared to the worst letter in the alphabet for 2021, the Shecky goes to. It's the letter C. Back-to-back, it wins it. Um, You know, the letter C, at what point does this fraud have to own its role in our lives? You know, Do you need 
the k sound? Do you need them to do that in a word, Eddie Spaghetti or otherwise? Well, great, because I give you the letter K. We don't need you, C, to make the k sound. We already got that with K. But you, you need a s sound? You need, oh, there's a letter S. In other words, what are you doing, C? We don't need you at all, you know? In fact, all you do is combine with H to make the ch sound. So why don't we make a letter that only makes the ch sound? And that's the only way I think going forward you should be allowed to stay in our alphabet. Otherwise, you're just taking up space. We could really eliminate the extra letter there, take it from 26 down to 25, and shave off a couple seconds every time we do that song. And when you have kids, when young kids, you end up singing it a lot. That's a real time saver for you. So we're off and running. Is that a good uh, place to start there, Eddie Spaghetti? C, yeah, C is a good one. I mean, I'm just thinking about Q as well. I know you talked about it, like Q, kind yeah, of the same thing as as C. You could, I mean, KW really is the Q sound. Um, I think I also were to throw in the letter X. I know it's a cool letter. I know it's a Roman numeral. You probably, I probably use it more for that. You know, it's just a useless. No one's, it, it, very few people's name begins with X. And you could always kind of, I mean, if you, your name is like Xavier, you could probably use a combination of letters to change that it's just a useless letter in alphabet it's weird it's a rangy letter but i don't know if i admire it or resent it choose what you want to be x you know like x is cool if you're an x-man or if you're xavier mcdaniel as you say on the other hand if you're an x or if you have an x over something then that's bad too much range for my taste um next this is this is a, a, a fascinating one for me always because it involves me going back through my mind over 365 days. Best movie I watched this year. Now, this is different than throwing out like the new Spider-Man movie or whatever, because that came out this year. And that's like what the Academy Awards do, although I don't think the new Spider-Man is going to win the Academy Award for best movie. I'm not sure what is uh, Belfast, one of those kind of movies. I haven't seen Belfast, so that's out of the running now. The best movie I saw in 2021 could be a brand new movie. It could be the new Spider-Man. It's not. Instead, the nominees for best movie I watched this year are Rocky 3. Now, it's not a great movie, by the way, but I still love in the opening montage when Clubber Lang is beating up all comers. And then they cut away to Mickey, Rocky's trainer, who's very worried about his uh, his champion. And he, he they cut away to him and he's got this ghastly ashen face on him but he also brought a date to the fight I, that makes me laugh every time he's sitting there with his date he's not even paying her any mind because he's so terrified of what clubber lang's gonna do to balboa but he also had the force i'm going to see this this killer in the ring would you like to come along would you like to be my companion this evening and then he pays her no mind whatsoever this uh this mickey is uh, quite a character but anyway rocky three Wolf of Wall Street, which came, I started, I watched finally because we took you to task, Hench and I, uh, Spaghetti. You never had seen The Graduate. And then I ran through my mind and I realized that's an iconic movie I've never seen. Wolf of Wall Street, very good as it turns out. A lot of people were right about that one. Also, Promising Young Woman. Have you seen this picture, Spaghetti? It's great. It's quirky. It's odd. Yeah. It's dark. Um, yeah, it's a great it. story. Mm. Yeah, it was but, good. But the best movie of 2021 that I saw this year. Boogie Nights. It gets better every time I watch it. This movie is the gift that keeps on giving Dirk Diggler 
And really, I mean, John C. Riley once again steals a movie. Uh, he really is the uh, perhaps the funniest thing in it in a hysterical movie, a great movie. Boogie Nights, check it out if you haven't watched it. Do you, you know Boogie Nights, right, Spaghetti? I, I have seen Boogie Nights. Uh, I think I watched it for the first time a few years ago, uh, actually when I came home for Christmas. And yeah, it's a it's a good movie. Uh, kind of shocked that uh, a Star Wars movie or Goodfellas didn't win for you, but uh, yeah, I'm good. Good change it up. You know why? I I didn't watch any of them this year. Of all the movies I sat through this year, I didn't sit, sit through, I not fully Goodfellas at any point this year. Of course, if it's on and I catch it, I watch it to completion, but I didn't watch start to finish, and that's part of the requirement. Now, Eddie Spaghetti, this is, a, this is an award that started way back in 2008 when the Seattle Supersonics ditched not just a great city in Seattle, not just with the reigning rookie of the year in Kevin Durant, but then they moved to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. What a slap in the face. You left Seattle to move to Oklahoma? Weird move. That was the highlight slash low light for the sports town that is Seattle that year. Also, Washington, the Huskies, I think went O for the season, and Wazoo won only one game, and that one game, that one win came against Washington. And the Mariners, I think they had just come off their 116-game season, and this was supposed to be another big year. It was a disappointment. The Seahawks were bad that year. It all adds up to them being the inaugural Sonic Award winner. You do not want to get this. It's not necessarily who had the worst teams. It's the, the teams that caused the most pain to a city sports town fan base. And so through the years, we've had uh, we've had any number of winners last year, 2020 Boston won for the first time, which was uh, which was big stuff because uh, obviously Boston sports town has had quite a millennium. But 2020 was very sad. Pittsburgh's won it before Philadelphia, even New York City spaghetti won it. San Diego a couple of years ago. And that brings us to 2021. This is a weird year to try and identify which sports fans suffered the most in one town la any come to mind for you spaghetti la comes to mind because the dodgers didn't make the world series and they've now become the west coast yankees which is if you don't win the title the year is a disappointment and kershaw is done for them in all likelihood forever i i'm not saying that uh this city deserves to win but it, it, maybe for next year if things continue to trend this way i think they could be the winner and for the amount of teams that are in kind of you know trouble uh i think the city that i'm currently in new york city is in a really rough spot and now i'll know the rangers are really good they just did lose a game last night to the the panthers and they were up going into the third which is the first time this year they lost in regulation uh with a lead but and there may be a step ahead of schedule for them but the problem is that hockey doesn't seem to get the appeal across the city it's more of a diehard sport that being said the islanders which were i think the third or fourth favorite in the city um they're struggling mightily right now so they're out of contention then you go to basketball the knicks uh people had they had a good end of the season last year people were excited about the team this year they started off pretty good not so great anymore kind of middle of the road they're probably a playoff team but they're not going to get past the first round the nets had some weird stuff going on with Kyrie Irving I know he's coming back but kind of leaves a sour taste in people's mouths then going over to baseball I mean the Mets last year they kind of tailed off and their big freight and signing was not great and then you have their owner on Twitter and he has to leave Twitter and then come back to Twitter and they, you know there was players they thought they were going to sign they lost out on and I know this offseason they're kind of ramping up again but if they start to stink especially with their owner is pretty public that's going to be a bad thing the Yankees my Yankees didn't fire boom didn't fire cash in which people wanted um, you know now their whole entire division outside of the Orioles and is you get good. put out by the hated Red Sox too right, that, right. that's the killer that's see yeah. that's what I'm talking 
talking about about pain, not just abject suckitude. But right. that's you don't want to you don't want to go out like that. You don't right. want the Red Sox to end your season. And, and the Yankees will be a good team, but you never want. Yes, you don't want to lose to the Red Sox. And it, it also really stings when the Rays and the Blue Jays are, are significantly better than you. And then going on to football. Now, I'll start with the Jets. Obviously, you lose out in Trevor Lawrence, which started this thing. They get Zach Wilson. All of a sudden, people are like, oh, here we go again. But Trevor Lawrence isn't playing great. The Jaguars aren't playing great. Zach Wilson has some flashes here and there. He gets banged up. Jets have a miserable season. They could be in the running for the number one pick again. And you start in that same question, do we draft a new quarterback? So they're in a mess. The Giants, like I said early in the show, you have former employees and, and scouts fighting with each other and with current employees. Uh, you, you, you're going to fire Gettleman. Judge is probably staying, but because Judge is staying and he might have GM picking power, that's going to create a huge mess with the Giants. The worst part is they have no cap space left, so they're going to have to cut a lot of people. Daniel Jones, they could extend. I mean, he has the option year left, but do you keep him? Do you move on to someone else like Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson isn't playing great. Uh, if they, you know, the Giants have the two picks, but the Bears won a game they shouldn't have. They're going to beat the Giants again this year, so that pick's not getting worse. Now you don't have enough capital to really get to the front of the draft because their Giants aren't going to be worse than the Lions, the Jaguars, the Jets. So that's a really bad position there too and it this looks like it's going to be a three to five year rebuild so right now if things don't improve if the rangers don't magically win a stanley cup and the yankees don't win next year uh they're my pick for the 2022 sonic award because things can get really really bad wow i think that's uh, yeah i think you're purposely filling your glass half full a uh, half empty to try and um to guard yourself against emotions because you want a Stanley Cup. And that's why I think New York is just barely off the hook here because I know New York is a hard-boiled sports town, but there is enough to allow for some pie-eyed optimism between the Rangers and the Mets making some big signings now. It's it's really the promise of what's to come rather than what's going on right now. And the Knickerbockers were a fun story in spring and may yet be again going forward there, but it was not a... uh, a glorious year in um in uh new york city that's obvious but yeah like the dodgers we say usc and ucla uh both were bad the lakers are disappointment last spring a disappointment once again but the rams and chargers are good enough to get them off the hook pittsburgh steelers lost at home at the browns uh, to the browns in a playoff game the all-time embarrassment for the pittsburgh steelers the pirates suck as always, the Pens, Tristan Jari, they might have won the Stanley Cup, but Tristan Jari, their goalie just choked. He pooped on the ice in uh, as grim a fashion as I've ever seen one guy ever choke away an entire season for uh, for an otherwise strong collective. Pitt basketball's a mess. But Kenny Pickett salvaged things. It was a special season for the Panthers, and that gets uh, Pittsburgh off the hook. Philadelphia. The Flyers stink. They haven't won a Stanley Cup since 75 now. The Phillies are bad, but Bryce Harper won the MVP. The Sixers are a mess. They should have gone deeper in the playoffs last year. The standard should have been, based on the process, beating the Bucs. Instead, they don't. That's bad, but the Eagles are kind of good. They're not terrible. It doesn't feel right to make it Philadelphia this year. Detroit. The Lions are a joke. The Wings are a joke. Not terrible so far this year, but still not good up to their standards. The Pistons remain a joke. The Tigers, middle of the pack, but Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are less than an hour drive away. So I got to let Detroit off the hook. You mentioned New York City, Seattle, the Hawks. It's over there. uh, An entire era is over there. The Huskies are bad again. The Mariners are okay. In fact, pretty good. 
but you got hockey and it's uh, again optimism you can't it doesn't make a difference you got a new team it's hard to to put you on the list there Denver maybe but it's a little uninspired to go with them Houston has the Texans I could really go with them with the whole Deshaun Watson mess Everybody hates the Astros. That doesn't feel good. A few years ago, everybody was like, yeah, I don't care if the Astros win. They don't, they don't hurt my feelings in any way. Now they're the most reviled team in baseball, a sport that includes the Yankees um, and the Red Sox and their respective fan bases. But again, I, 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 the Houston Cougars went to the Final Four. I just, it doesn't seem right to knock them out. So instead... I'm going to do some, it's not a sports town. I'm going with outside of the Tampa St. Pete area, the entire state of Florida already spaghetti. Do we boil it down to Jacksonville, Florida, urban Meyer mess close enough. Their hero of heroes is Tim Tebow from the university of Florida, a train wreck there. The team that they play in the outdoor cocktail party every year, Georgia washes off its stink. Bam is still Alabama and Florida has gone downhill. I think that, you know, Duval County and the fans that reside in there, mostly Gators fans combined with Jags fans. I don't think you could do any worse this year. I like that pick. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Florida thing, too, because Florida, you know, should always be a powerhouse and they're not anymore. And like you said, now the SEC is adding two extra teams is going to make recruiting even harder. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great pick there. And obviously, not only are they bad, but it's like how they're bad and they're constantly in the news. Like there are bad teams who are not really in the news that much, like the Lions, for example. But having Urban Meyer as head coach putting you in the news and having just like what a laundry list of just times he screwed up from the moment he was hired up until when he was fired. And the worst part about it is that they have a guy in Trevor Lawrence who was compared to the Andrew Luck, the Peyton Manning, the the John Elway, getting brought into the league of being such high expectations. Like you said a, a few shows back, um, or it might have been last show when you know they were forced into drafting him because of the uh, his pre-draft appeal and it was just like a universal decision where it's like you have to take him because somebody else will because he could be legendary and you take him and he's pretty mediocre now I'm not saying get rid of him obviously it's his rookie year it's not even over with yet and I think the coaching staff probably did him wrong and he, their other first round pick Travis Etienne his former teammate at Clemson also getting injured does not help and receivers who people thought were a little bit better like DJ Shark and LaVisca Chenault not that great so yeah I mean it's it's really bad as it gets for Trevor Lawrence but you got to feel really bummed out especially not too long ago the Jaguars were like a, a, an AFC you know title contender they were a threat they were a good squad even with Blake Borles a quarterback and now they're at the bottom of the league with uh, a guy who should be a legendary potential Hall of Famer as everyone thought and I think they are well deserving of the Sonic Award it's a mythical uh, trophy I think did we ever have a trophy for the Sonic Award I don't remember if we do but I think we now do it's it's Urban Meyer's thumb I think that's what the Sonic Award is from now on at long last uh what 13 14 years after we started this award urban meyer's thumb now will stand for all of time as the sonic award um a, a signal you do not want to get this thumbs up i well i mean i don't know if she wanted the thumbs up where she got it but anyhow moving on the uniform matchup of the year from the uniform and himself first of all let's run through the nominees Sabres at Flyers. I hate the Flyers. Um, They are a punchline, though. One thing that is not are those glorious orange and black uniforms. The Sabres paid them a visit in their road whites with that royal blue and gold. It looked like something out of 1975, and I swooned, even though I don't like either one of those teams. 
Next, an ACC borderline powerhouse kind of matchup in 2021. Sam Howell, maybe in a preview of where he's going to be playing in 2022 and beyond based on some of the rumors you hear out there. And the Tar Heels paid a visit to Kenny Pickett and company. Pitt wore its home royal blues. UNC wore that gorgeous Carolina powder blue with the navy uh, trim to it. It was heaven on earth, even if you were a Tar Heels fan. Well, at least until the overtime. Uh, anybody with uh, with the gift of sight surely appreciated looking at that one. The Raiders at the Steelers is a classic. Neither team has really changed its uniform much in the last half century. It was beautiful. The results were not. Would have been better, though, if it would have rained. Steel gray skies would have suited the atmosphere a little bit more. And then you have the Raiders at the Chargers, who wore their gold pants with their powder blue uniform. Perhaps the two best uniforms in all of pro football going head-to-head. Your Shecky Award winner for 2021. Best uniform matchup. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the books are cooked here a little bit. It's the victory bell game. It's USC and UCLA. They both wear their home jerseys. This is owed back to 2007, I think, when I got Pete Carroll and Rick Neuheisel on the phone, both the head coaches of those two teams. And they agreed on the radio in real time to both take 15-yard penalties and both wear their home jerseys because they're both L.A.'s teams. It is heaven on earth. The sun going down. It was a daytime game. It looked beautiful. The two teams were not good, but the uniforms were grand. Congratulations to USC and UCLA. Eddie Spaghetti, did I get that one right? I love that's a great pick. It's a really good matchup uh, with the uniforms, you know, a bright red and a bright blue. It's it's awesome, especially, you know, playing the Rose, like you said, the mountains in the background. You can't beat that. Yes. Uh, some other good uniforms come to my mind. I mean, the NHL across the board did a really good job this year outside of the, the devil's mishap. Um, but the the what do they call the reverse retro, like the the coyotes with their new, the ones they're bringing those back. And most importantly, the Rangers, I mean, getting the Statue of Liberty, such an iconic piece of like American history uh and putting that back on uniform was great uh and baseball quickly i love the brewers uniforms going to their their new yes. version of the old style which is great and um i think the best matchup that i love this year and may have to do with the snow and just the magnitude of that game and michigan finally winning with the michigan versus ohio state game with the scarlet and silver versus the maize and blue and they actually wore the the double uh you know navy pants uh i think that was an awesome game to watch but i think you're right i think the victory bill game probably edges that one out it's a shame because Michigan, Ohio State could have been on the short list here, but I didn't care for the Navy pants. That's what ruled that one out for me. Um, same goes for the Chiefs playing the Raiders. You know, that's one of my favorites, but they decided not to wear the red pants, the Chiefs, when they played the Raiders. That was a disappointment to him. Or, or I'm sorry. Yeah, they didn't wear those there and they didn't wear them against the Chargers either. Another great uniform matchup. And by the way, the Chiefs at Baltimore Ravens in week two was that with the purple against the red under the lights. That looked very nice. I thought the Bengals um, hosting the 49ers at least recalled those two Super Bowls that started and ended the 80s, um, the uh, the Bengals. And, and shout out to them. I still don't love the uniforms, but they they jazzed them up just a little bit or, in fact, simplified them a little bit. That was a good one. Um, we actually started uh, the year pretty strong with uh, you show it shows the influence of the uniform. And we hit up pro football. We said, please, please, uh, please don't wear 
the wrong jerseys, Buccaneers. It's your choice. They did the right thing. That could have been an eyesore game. The bad news is we may get a rematch of that, and it will be the worst version. The red pants of the Chiefs against the red jerseys of the Buccaneers, and it'll be vomitous, not just spiritually, but to our eyeballs as well. Also, I have to say, the worst uniform matchup I may have ever seen in my life, and that's saying quite a, quite something. You mentioned the Coyotes. I know some people like that weird old uniform. The Coyotes and Ducks played the ugliest uniform matchup I've ever seen in my life. I'll post pictures of that on social media for you if you want to see that. Next up, worst food to eat after brushing your teeth. Last year, Caesar salad with anchovies won, joining salmon sashimi, Syrah wine is no good. This year, the Shecky Award for worst food to eat after brushing your teeth is... Oh, uh, this is the influence of Jean-Claude Van Damaschek because he and I are on a wing-eating tour that's now three years long. It's wings with blue cheese. You don't want to. You don't want to have just brushed your teeth minty fresh and then biting the, the 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 gross old blue cheese, which I love, but you know it's still old cheese and and, and spicy wings, right? Spaghetti. Uh, well, number one, I hate blue cheese. Oh, uh, number two, number two, uh, I don't think I've ever had like. I've always brushed my teeth in the morning, so I'm never, I never have like a morning wing eater. So I, I like sashimi and all that kind of Caesar salad. Like I'm, I'm waking up, brushing my teeth, give myself a, a grace period, and mm-hmm. then I'll consume my breakfast, which is, you know, usually like oatmeal or eggs or something. So I don't know. I, I never, I guess as a kid, like syrup after uh, brushing Ooh, my teeth is probably pretty good. nasty, yeah, but I have nasty. not done that in a, in a while. Hmm. Yeah, well, I I don't encourage you to try wings, but as an experiment, just to see if I'm right about it, maybe you could give it a try at some point. I'll even allow you to dip it in ranch if uh, that's what gets it done. Yes. Um, All right. Some big I I didn't post this year, Eddie Spaghetti. You may have noticed on social media. I did not vend out our favorite non-football playing guest to the Czech Republic this year. I feel like there's only one person who I know for certain. In years past, there were a few people, a number of people who worked on the show who definitely heard every episode. I don't know that that's definitely true outside of one Eddie Spaghetti. So I'm going to make it a personal award. First, though, I want to say two things. Favorite football playing guest this year. He's already a digital wall of famer for us, but he is the 2021 favorite football playing guest for us. It is... David Carr. Why? Because David Carr, right after Derek beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh, pulled his car over on the side of the road for 45 minutes just so he could kibitz with me about it. And you got to hear the results of that one. That was going above and beyond. Uh, great thanks to all our favorite football playing guests who joined us over the year. I'm not going to shout everybody out here. Like I say, David Carr distinguished himself with that uh, with that rare move. But I also have to give out a Lifetime Achievement Award to a football playing guest. Amy's the former co-host of this show and still recurring guest here. It's Jeff Schwartz, Mitchell Schwartz's older brother. Jeff Schwartz joined us just last week. We kibitz about uniforms. He hates that I am apathetic about the Chiefs. He gets angry at spaghetti. When Spaghetti 
talks bad about the Chiefs and Spaghetti gets mad when Schwartz talks bad about the Giants. But at the end of the day, we couldn't do it without him. Jeff Schwartz, Lifetime Achievement Award for you. Is that nice, Eddie Spaghetti? Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to, I was shocked that Jeff didn't win the football playing guest of the year because he would have been my pick just simply for the fact that he's, I think he's been on this show, extra points and against all odds. Uh, so he comes to the network quite a bit. Uh, and then, you know, like I always love to give Jeff crap about the Giants, but I've told him many times that I was wrong this year. I'll eat my plate of crow. He was spot on about the Giants and we, we make fun of him for him getting upset about the Chiefs, but he's like the closest thing to uh, an athlete, like a professional athlete who's just a true fan. And you could see, that with him how he acts with the Chiefs you can see how he acts with the, with the Oregon Ducks who uh, unfortunately lost their bowl game the Alamo Bowl last night to uh, uh, who they play well, I watched the entire game Oklahoma Oklahoma right 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 and um, and then uh, with the San Francisco Giants like he loves baseball uh, also an NBA fan too he bets on everything so Jeff is just he's your everyday man guy who also happens to be you know six foot eight and play offensive line in the NFL and college yeah, football 420 pounds six foot eight yes gambles I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's reprehensible. Uh, Kills chickens. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, but uh, we couldn't do it without him, like we say. So muzzle tough to him. But listen, enough amping, Eddie Spaghetti. It's time now for our favorite non-football playing guest of 2021. I'm putting it squarely on your shoulders. We usually dilute it a little bit and let uh, listeners talk about it, other people who work on the show. Now it's squarely on your head to make this call here. Ooh. You got you got money, you got handsome Hank, you got Mina Kimes, Will Brinson, Nick Costos. I mean, there are a lot of different ways you can go here, but uh, it's yeah, not, it's not mine. It's not my vote to cast. It's on your plate to make a decision here. I I think uh, just in terms of amount of appearances, the the quality of you're supposed to appearance. open a, 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 open an envelope when you do it. Well, I'll give I'll, I'll give the, the the preamble first because I know okay. who it is. Oh, okay. um, but but. The amount of appearances, the quality of the appearances, uh, the willingness to to do the pod, and then the fact that I know that other people at our network also have talked to Coley. We have, by the way, got to shout them all out. Coley, Joey Molinaro. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people. Joey Molinaro. I know. See, when you start naming them, then you forget people, or you fail to. Brad Spielberger was dynamite a few weeks ago. Sure, I'm trying to think of who I'll say now. I don't want to leave anybody out, but but done is but my pick, and I'll, I'll open the envelope. It's it's got to be Nick Costos, uh, not just because of the New York bias, but like I said, he's he's a very busy man doing uh, all his gambling stuff, and he, I feel like the guy records like five six hours a day. He comes on uh, you know east early East Coast time for us, and he is he just brings it. Uh, he tells like it is. He crushes the the New York teams when they deserve to be crushed. He is I think one of the best voices uh, that represents New York sports. But the guy could talk anything. The guy always comes lined up with bets for any NFL game, and uh, he's I, I know talking to sal that sal thinks he's electric and loves him like he's just loved by everyone in the extra points network and he gives us a lot of great time uh so i, I think it's this year he he ran away with the award but a lot of great guests not taking anything away but but nick was really a plus plus each time he was on i mean i'm not i can't dictate to other people how they should feel but a real slap in the face to sal he was a guest you know marty weiss was a guest too i mean that's a real attack on him I mean, eh, if, you're joe, if you're if you're employed by extra points i i don't count you as a guest sal could do whatever he wants so joey molinaro is a big star you know like i say so's kimes i mean okay will brinson I, when when this reaches him and his man's down there in the carolinas I, I loved i loved will's talk will was spot on about nc state wolfpack i didn't forget that and he had some good music talk with him uh and will's uh, really one of the nicest guys ever and i know given he hates new york too and i've given him crap but i just 
just it's just all uh, all fun. Uh, Mina going at you about the quarterback wins and, and Ben Roethlisberger and you going at it with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, legendary moment on the on the show. Uh, Got to get Joey Molinaro might have had our most like popular videos on social media with his impressions doing uh, all the SEC coaches and, uh, and other uh, Collinsworth. So he's really as good as it gets. Another super nice guy. We, we're lucky we have such nice guests. But like I said, and I think Nick's been on the show three or four times this year, and uh, I feel like every show has like multiple uh rants that i remember and he and he goes at you as good as anyone does so i think nick deserves it but like i mean we're we're lucky we have too many good guests true true a good problem to have as they say with head coaches who have more than one decent quarterback um all right favorite damashek child got oprah you got jean claude van damashek you got football baby and you got little sissy girl and the award goes to Oh, come on. I mean, this is being recorded. I, this would be used against me. I would cause emotional damage and otherwise. I can't. Do I have a favorite? I can't even say if I do or not. But one way or the other, I'm not going to say it into a microphone. What am I, insane? Come on. Now it's time for the Temu Chichu Best Name in Sports of 2021. Your nominees are Capo Caco, Shockey Jacques Louis, DiCaprio Boodle, Talk about extra points. Bumper pool. Deo Odangbo. And your winner for 2021. Best name in sports goes to. New Sabres goalie Uko Pekka Lukonen. Congratulations, Uko Lukonen. I, I mean, this was stiff competition. Did I get that one right, Eddie Spaghetti? It's. I mean, I'm guessing he's no losers finished. there, right? Uh, yeah, all of those any Finnish player really can give you uh, some amazing names in the NHL. I feel like and, and the NHL is cheating, but I, I, I look that name is is ridiculous. And that's his actual name too. It's not like these guys that have like these uh, these nicknames that they kind of adopt. But the col- I will say this: college football this year has a ton of insane. It was hard names. to boil it down. Deo like, Odangbo. I mean, we've dra- pools, went to the Colts this year, but. Uh, smoke Monday, uh, like Sauce Gardner, like I said. Uh, I'm, uh, isn't there a cool Kool Aid on uh, on uh, on Alabama? I mean, there are some. I know these are like nicknames, but like college football this year, 2021, had a lot of really funny names. So, but I think that name, uh, which I'm not going to try to pronounce, probably is the winner. Um, all right, now let's get to best beast to eat in 2021. This is if you had to eliminate. To all other beasts, so you could only eat one beast for the rest of your life. I mean, that changes. Your opinion can change. Fortunately, at least to this point in society, um, I haven't been forced to actually make this choice. But best is you can't summon if you did have to. You can only eat a cow. You can only eat a duck. You can only eat a chicken. You can only eat a, 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 a creature of the sea. A creature of the sea. And there's got to be a division there. It's got to be like a shelled item, so like crabs, lobster, uh, clams, and oysters, or all the other fish, the ones with fins and tails and all that sort of thing. It's a, you know got to play fair there. Shecky Award winner for 2021, best beast. Ooh, by a narrow margin, it's swine. I've enjoyed hamburgers a lot this past year. Meatballs, I've had a lot of them, more than my share, some might say. Uh, Steaks are always good. But I'll tell you, 
that I, I've been eating a lot of pork tenderloin. Um, I've been, yeah, I've had, uh, some, some baby back ribs over the year that were delicious, uh, pork, like I say, the pork tenderloin, just, uh, just delicious. And the, the thing that really, uh, Al Pastor, um, but really I went back to the basics again, as we, you know, hunker down a little bit, thick cut bacon is really what uh, separated swine from the rest of the pack there. Congratulations, swine. You're the best beast to eat in 2021 um best residual cereal milk quickly we'll get this one in joining fruit loops apple jacks cocoa pebbles this is a little jerry orback moment for me here when i'm wrong i say i'm wrong at least for 2021 i've long stood by i've been a stand for apple jacks that delicious peachy pink milk that is left behind once you get all those orange circles out of there. It's actually been sullied a little bit by the addition of the green circles. It's not as nice to look at. So your best residual cereal milk. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Turns out a lot of people were right about it. Really tastes very good. Cinnamon milk, basically. Um, The worst nickname. All due respect to the sheriff and booger. Worst nickname in sports. Tom Brady, a.k.a. the Pharaoh, a.k.a. a nickname no one has ever called him. So why is it listed there on Pro Football Reference as one of his nicknames? The Pharaoh, indeed. Yeah, who who doesn't remember those those uh, hallowed matchups, but those shootouts between the Sheriff and the Pharaoh? What in the hell? I don't like it. Worst nickname. Um... One to shout out, best beer. It's a Thai Ale Smith Speedway Stout and uh, uh, Hayes Pipe by uh, by uh, Hayes Concept. Best Spider Man. I mentioned this uh, earlier in the week. It's Andrew Garfield. I saw them there side by side. It's easy to judge. Judging who the best James Bond or Batman is is a little tough, but when they're side by side, it really jumped out to me. Andrew Garfield is the best Spider Man. Is that right, Spaghetti? You're a superhero well, sorry, guy. Well, yeah, I'm going to say also sorry to the uh, people listening to the show that have not seen the movie yet and just spoiled the crap out oh, of it. Oh, people know. I don't I mean, I, I know my dad and brother don't know. They haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'll, I'll keep this pot away from them for a few weeks. But uh, I I think the answer is Tom Holland. I think that the best acting was the this recent one with Tom Holland, and he fits the mold more of what Peter Parker is. I will say about Andrew Garfield that his he deserved a third movie, and he was super underrated, and I think what kind of like saved Toby is like the nostalgia, because people who are my age who watch the Toby Maguire ones growing up, like, oh, that was so great, and like Willem Dafoe kind of makes the movie better. There's a lot of like online memes from that movie. Toby is by far the worst one, and you could tell that by looking at his IMDb. The guy like barely acted because he's not a good actor, um, but yeah, Andrew Garfield is, is great, but Tom Holland, this third one, is really, really good. He's funny, uh, serious moments he had to be, and uh, I guess I'm done reviewing a superhero movie, but yeah, he's I he's guess, dead. you know, now that I say it, I don't want to go against it, but very quickly here, uh, you know, after my opening screed there about, uh, about you know, the iconic brand, best James Bond for me, Sean Connery is, is pretty obvious, but... People sleep on Roger Moore a little bit too much, and I thought Daniel Craig did a, not, a noble job and got the ship, got the uh, the franchise back on track, kind of like Roethlisberger after being lost at sea for many moons after Bradshaw. That's kind of what he did. And my favorite Batman, people love Michael Keaton. He's a Pittsburgh native. I'm going to go a little off the board here. Val Kilmer, he deserved another shot at uh, 
at the Batman role. He he and George Clooney was the low point, as it turns out. Adam West's still funny. Did I get those right, Spaghetti? I think Batman, the best Batman will be, I'm gonna call my shot, is gonna be Robert Pattinson. Ah. And uh I've watched uh, most of the James Bond movies. I, I think it's hard to pick against Daniel Craig. I think Daniel Craig is in the best he's in the best James Bond movie, so I feel like it has to be Daniel Craig. It's very they're very different movies. They've been around so long that the 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 Sean Connery ones are are cheesy in terms of effects and otherwise and roger moore starts to skew real cheese ball in the second half of his movies it's not a crazy choice i'm not going to beat you up on that one for recency bias best seltzer this is it could be alcoholic if you wanted to i don't like those as i as, you, as i mentioned i like beer and i like wine and that's about it best seltzer i love the og the original flavor just the plain old seltzer water but then came lime and now there's watermelon and pamplemousse but the best seltzer flavor, 2021, is more pepino, a.k.a. blackberry cucumber. I've gone fancy. Kevin Hench tipped us off to it about two, three months ago. I went to the store. I was skeptical. I wasn't after it passed my lips. Congratulations. More pepino. Next, best flavor of potato chip by Kettle Chips brand or otherwise. I don't really eat any others because that's because Kettle Chip has, has cornered the market on this. You got your salt and vinegar. You got your honey mustard. I love the New York cheese and herb. Your winner, though, for best chip in 2021. Dill pickle. It doesn't just taste like a dill pickle. It tastes like when you walk into a great New York deli. I don't know what it is, but it incorporates all those flavors to it. Um... Move over, Meg Ryan. Those chips make me want to act like you acted, but we're faking it. I really do that, but authentically. I don't fake it like you did in that one scene. I think old people know what I'm talking about. New thing I do best is, uh, it's a short list. It's uh, making charcuteries. I make them for my family. I make them for the kids and they go wild. I make my meats. I make my cheeses, the little cornichon, um, little pickles and otherwise people go wild for it. Someday I'll make you a charcuterie, Eddie Spaghetti. New thing I do worst, cut my own hair. I thought I was getting to be good at it, but lately things have gotten sideways and, um, you know, now the wife is very upset with the state of my hair and um, she's really strongly encouraging me to do it. How much so? She bought me a gift certificate to get a haircut. That was a Christmas gift. I mean, that's a, it's hurtful is what it is to me. It's time now. We've, uh, it's all been an hors d'oeuvre, you know, the entire year leading up to this one moment. We've heard from some big names, people who work at Extra Points. Here's TJ Hushmanzada weighing in on the most important of all Shecky Awards, fruit of the year. It's not a fruit that I don't like, but what I will say is Honeycrisp apples. I love those. Oh, here we go. So the, the reason I like the honey crisp a little more is it has a tartness to it sometimes. The cosmic crisp apple might be competing with the honey. Yes, the cosmic. And now here is late night host and bowl game namesake, Jimmy Kimmel on Fruit of the Year. This is such a Damashecki answer mm-hmm. that you won't accept it, but I'm not going exotic this year. I... I didn't have any fruits that really knocked me out. And I'm going to go with my old favorite, not if in a new way. You know what I'm saying? They're, I had fruits that were great and consistent as they've always been. So I'm going to go with my personal favorite, my old favorite, the banana. Ah, <laughs> <humble>. banana. <laughs> 
banana. That's right. You can shove that banana up your ass if you don't like it. I banana. don't like a banana. Banana's texture is no good. You don't That's like bananas? No, you I don't like a banana. Be, you should not be the authority on what the fruit of the year is if well, you don't like bananas. Thank you for your input, fellas. Thank you for your input, everybody who tweets me. All year long with the nice fruit they have, believe me, your words are heard. They are ingested in my brain and in my belly. And on their way there, the taste buds get their turn as well. But fruit of the year, delicious pineapple this year. You know, you you remember spaghetti. You've been around for a little while here. You know, a couple of years ago. I'd been singing songs about the state of fruit, that we were living in a glorious time in man's recorded history, because about three years ago, it occurred to me, man, fruit's never been better. White peaches, yellow peaches, pineapples, red seedless grapes, strawberries were delicious for longer than they used to be, and watermelon used to only be good for two months, and then it expanded to like eight or nine months. It was delicious, and then... The world of fruit decided to put its collective feet up and relax, and that's not what I want. You got to keep your uh, keep the pedal to the metal if you're a fruit. If you want to be in contention, coconut won it. Big upset a few years back. Um, the honeydew had another delicious 2021 year. Yellow peach, the little brother to the white peach, usually exceeded its more famous brother, kind of like Eli winning um, two Super Bowls before his more successful brother did. Had some delicious honey crisps this year. Nice pink ladies. Cosmic crisps. Your 2021 fruit of the year. Sorry, anticlimactic. It's the Envy Apple, everybody. A a, a historic run. A DiMaggio-like run. DiMaggio hit in 56 straight games. The Envy Apple. Fruits are supposed to have seasons. They always have. Even good ones only are good for, you know, like I say, a watermelon used to only be good for two months. Now it's more like six, eight months. Plums are still good for only like three, for only like three weeks. The pomegranate is the worst of all fruits because it makes you dig through that crazy dumb shell thing. And for what? You get through it and you get that little seed that if it squirts on your clothes, they're staying forever. And if they hit your teeth, they make them feel all chalky and gross. That's bad. Bananas aren't good, but most fruits are good and for longer in the calendar year, but nothing like what the Envy's done. The Envy has been delicious for 26 straight months. It has not taken one month off. It's something for not just its fruity brethren, but for all living creatures to aspire to. If we can't reach the heights that the Envy Apple has, we should at least strive to get them. I don't know. Charles Barkley said athletes aren't role models, but the Envy Apple is. Congratulations to you, Envy. You are the Shecky Award winner for Fruit of the Year 2021. That's nice, isn't it, Spaghetti? Are you happy no, for this, the Envy this, Apple? I'm not. This is so this is so unfair. And your and your reasoning as to why is because you just make fun of other good fruits. All let me time. say this. Let me I you, sang songs about watermelon. What it, do you mean? It is actually it's actually great that uh, I've I've produced the show for a number of years mm-hmm. and, and been your partner for a number of years because I love fruit. I eat so much fruit. I eat a lot of variety of different fruits. Uh, my girlfriend doesn't like fruit at all, which is very strange. So I have free reign to pick whatever fruit I want. And I'm talking about any flavor grapes. I'm talking about any doesn't like fruit. fruit. Tangerine. No, it's it's strange. It's not even worth bringing up. Um, it's like people when they say I, I'm not I'm just not into music like none. Right. You're not into uh, okay. any music. 
I've, I've like never fruit? seen her like never went to the store and bought a fruit that she liked. It's very strange. Um, tons, tons of watermelon this year. I love the exotic fruit, the dragon fruit. I love, I love pomegranates. I know a very easy way to get the seeds out of the pomegranate, which I could show you in the future. No thanks. Uh, Don't care I for the flavor them. anyway. Even if you, if you I, made it easy, I wouldn't care about it. I've said uh, mangoes are good. And I said my favorite fruit, the champagne mango, the better, uh, the type of mango. And, and you go and pick, and peaches too. You brought a lot mm-hmm. of great, awesome year for peaches. Yeah. I totally agree. Strawberries, any berries, acai berries, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, all that. And you go and pick, like, you, the, basically, it's like, oh, you could have any protein in the world, like any, you know, any flavor uh, animal, as we talked about. I'm going to have chicken fingers. That's what it is when you pick the envy apple it's a basic fruit and it's just it's just apples are so boring and to me to eat an apple i need to add like peanut butter to it uh or it's just not it, it's not strong it's not a strong fruit i feel like there's so much good fruit out there and uh i i, I feel bad for the, those fruit to lose this year mango mango is like it's great mango is baker mayfield of fruit overhyped under delivering you know, that's what I say. Champagne about. mango. Champagne mangoes the tops. No. And people who eat pears in a world that offers apples have self-esteem issues. And you know what? You can you have your trick for cutting up the pomegranate. Um, you also have tricks to cut the audio file up. So you're going to have to go back and cut out your obnoxious last 90 second rant there. Defying the ruling. The Shecky Award goes to the Envy Apple, no matter what Eddie Spaghetti, Jimmy Kimmel, or anyone else has to say about it. Fan double fan. You want to give out awards? Go ahead and start giving them out. In the meantime, the Shecky Awards are here to stay. They are filed for another calendar year in 2021. And there you have it. If you've stuck with us, I appreciate you something awful. So does Eddie Spaghetti. Um, and we'll be back with some fresh shows for you next week early, a uh, new episode for you on Monday. And uh, we hope you enjoy the sports weekend. If you want to make it a little more interesting, go to FanDuel.com. Make sure you use the promo code minus three, the word minus the number three, and uh, and put your picks in that way. We appreciate you doing that. We appreciate you checking out everything on the Extra Points Network. And until next week, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.